Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in June of 2022. And welcome to our season two finale, learning about the FCTM 2022 conference. Oh my gosh, I am on such a math high right now. (laughs) I know you are. I know you are. I can't wait to share all these things. I can't wait to hear all about it. And first we want to talk about our book club. Our book club. Yes. When this episode airs, we will have already had our first session, but right now we're recording before our first session. So we're very excited. And if you haven't joined and you still want to join, it's not too late. You can join our book club. Our book that we're reading is Figuring Out Fluency in Mathematics, Teaching and Learning, Moving Beyond Basic Facts and Memorization. Uh, It is kind of written for teachers who teach grades K through eight. However, we've talked about how this is really a book that can be applied from K all the way to high school because we all know that in our 11th grade class, math class, there are kids that are sitting there at maybe even a fifth grade or third grade level. Mm -hmm. So if you're a high school teacher or even beyond, you know that that this is still a book for you. So we invite you to join the conversation. Even if you just want to join us on our second session, that's okay. Come on, come on in. We invite you to listen and sign up for our book club and you'll get in a Google invite in your, in your email and you can join us. I'm excited to see how many people join our book club this summer. Because last year, we had three different book clubs, and they were all just amazing. Phenomenal. And just, it was great. Selfishly, I loved meeting so many different people. I mean, we've met so many different people. And it's, it's, been just so nice to know that there are others who want to learn and uh, want to share their ideas and their expertise. And it's just been phenomenal. It's just, it it just really is a highlight. And we've stayed connected with so many of those people, right? We have. We've really grown our professional network, right? Which I love. And I love that we've had time to spend with like-minded people as well. Yeah. If you're not, if you're still on the fence and you're not quite sure that this book is for you, I'm, I'm going to kind of give you a little preview today to kind of convince you, I think, a, a little bit more. I have the book in front of me and on page 17, I want to just read an excerpt. And I, I chose this excerpt because it's something that I hear a lot uh, when I discuss, you know, best practices and strategies, uh, teaching strategies to kids, especially kids who have IEPs or learning disabilities. And a lot of, a lot of times the argument that I hear from teachers is, well, I don't want to confuse them. Why are we teaching them all these different ways and confusing these kids when they don't and they won't know which which thing to use and when? So I want to read page 17, this excerpt here from the book. Tragically, many educators have the unproductive belief that students with disabilities or students who struggle require this type of support, i.e. being shown a step-by-step process with little or no attention to conceptual understanding or reasoning. 
They also believe that having students memorize just one method is in their best interest. This belief is a mistake for several reasons. First, memorizing is a weak learning strategy, particularly for students with disabilities. Instead, procedural fluency for students with disabilities should infuse research-based strategies such as using a concrete, semi-concrete, abstract, CSA approach to learning procedures, think-alouds, peer-assisted learning, and explicit strategy instruction. And then that's from a resource, Gersten et al., 2009, NCTM 2007. Second, memorizing without understanding can lead to a negative mathematics identity. I don't understand this. And no sense of mathematical agency. I don't know how to find an answer. Students with disabilities benefit every bit as much as other students from an instructional focus on fluency with efficiency, flexibility, and accuracy. Every student deserves opportunities to develop procedural fluency and thereby also develop positive mathematical identities and agency. Mic drop. drop. Yeah. Yeah. I I know that was a long paragraph, but it, it, oh, (laughs) it just says everything that, that needs to be said. I mean, that is the argument all the time. And I can't tell you how many times I hear that from my my kids who do have learning disabilities, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to approach this. I don't remember what the steps are. So even when you do teach them procedures, they still can't, they're not successful. So why are we continuing this? Stop teaching it as a set of procedural. Even even the area model is taught as a set of procedures. We've got to get away from that. They don't understand what they're doing. They're just doing it. They're just plugging in numbers. The kids don't understand that it's actually area. I, I, what happened? Look, I thought I was going to be on fire for this episode. You <laughs> are on just as much fire as I am. Yes. So if you want to join us, make sure you sign up on the Google form, which will be on the website. It's on Twitter. Yeah. And there's, I'm guaranteeing that there's going to be great nuggets like that, great paragraphs that you're going to be like, oh, during this reading. So join us. And if not, you know, you've heard about the book, grab the book, see it on your own and and tweet at us, you know, let us know what you're thinking as you're reading along, if there's anything that pops out at you. Okay. Is it my turn now? It is. Go ahead. (laughs) I can't wait. So I want to tell the listeners I have not told Karina anything, anything about the breakout sessions. Nothing. So this would be basically a conversation that you and I would really have. And mm-hmm. I, I said to Karina, let's just record it. And that way other people can can hear the excitement and what happened in the breakout sessions and all those personal stories, those will be off, off the pod. <laughs> Sounds good. All the super fun stuff. But as far as the breakout sessions and and the keynote addresses, the Florida Council of Teachers in Mathematics, or FCTM, conference this year was held in St. Petersburg, Florida, June 16th, 17th, and 18th. We're recording this a couple days later, and I have all my notes in front of me. And it's it's been so hard not to tell Karina off the podcast what happened. Yes. And I'm just so excited to share all of this with everyone. The opening keynote was by Deborah Pert, and the title of the opening session was 
I am not a reading person and other things you never hear grown people say, right? Mm. You never hear people say, I'm not a reading person. Just to say that that session was fabulous is an understatement. But there were three takeaways that I got from that. One thing she said was change the language that we use with math. We don't even need to call kids mathematicians because that kind of puts them in a place where, you know, you're doing such high level math. We're going to give math a verb. We're going to say we're mathing today and we are mathers, just like we're readers and writers. We're mathers and we are mathing. How's that? Yeah. Of course, she has shirts that say that, and I'm sure I'll be getting them. The second takeaway was that students and people deserve choice. That's all I wrote about that. So as I'm thinking about it, I think it was like a choice of strategies, a choice of, you know, what they want to learn, of course, obviously within the constraints of the standards that we have and everything. But the third one was celebrate all the ways we math together all the time. See, that was a noun right there. The ways that we math together. Or is that a verb? The ways we, it's a verb, math together all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because it's like the way we read together, right? Exactly. Exactly. But she just got us on fire for the whole conference. What a great tone that she set. The first breakout session I went to was Adrienne Paul, and she did a breakout session on building thinking classrooms. Nice. (laughs) And she went through all 14 teaching practices that Peter talked about. And the funny part is, you know, we're, we're, you know, I, I can feel it. We're kind of going slow and near the end. It, you always run out of time, right? So she's going much, much faster with the last ones. But one thing that she talked about, which I want to spend a little time looking at myself, and I'm sure you will too, it's called formative.com. And I, I don't know if, I think it's like a way to track, you know, what you wrote. Are you familiar with it? Uh, yes. I think if I'm thinking of what it is, yes, I think so. Okay. Well, I want to look that up and see if it's a way, because I know our friend Jeff, who did that amazing spreadsheet (laughs) for all of the concepts, if if this would be an easier way, right, to track student information. I don't know. Maybe just the the paper pencil kind of things is the easiest, but she sparked that in me. And then I was going to go to Julie Dixon's session, which was unfinished learning, how to move forward when your GPS is telling you to make a U-turn. And when I got in there, she looked at a bunch of us and said, now listen, if you've been to one of my sessions before, go to some somewhere else. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) She pushed us to go to another session called Centering Students, Exploring and Expanding Equitable Mathematics Instruction. And it was by three of the doctoral students at UCF. Now, Julie is a professor at UCF, so I'm sure she knows these people that we're presenting. And The one thing that I got out of there, you know how we're always talking about numberless word problems? Yeah. Well, how about contextless problems? Basically, and it wasn't just put up a a number, but it was kind of put up part of a situation and let the kids fill in the rest along with Mm -hmm. the numbers, which I thought, okay, we've got a naked number problem. Now let's make them come up with a word problem for it, right? That kind of, that almost sounds like one of, like a slow reveal problem, right? Where you're just giving them a little bit of the information and then they kind of have to fill in the blanks as to what the question's going to be and what am I doing with this and kind of like that. Yeah. Just another way to, to think about 
not giving everything to the kids. Let them come up yeah. with the the ideas and everything. Well, then I go to Pam Harris's session, developing mathematical reasoning, not algorithm repeaters. And yes. of course, it was amazing. Now, listeners, yes. if you are not familiar with Pam Harris and Kim Montague's work, from Math is Figure Outable. Oh, you are missing out. I took two solid pages worth of notes, which I'm not going to be able to share everything with anyone. But right. a couple of the biggest takeaways was, and I know she says this a lot, and I think Kathy Fosno was the original person who said this, that mental math is doing math with your head, not in your head. If you need a piece of paper to do mental math, that's fine. You're kind. You're keeping track of what you're doing in your head, right? So you're doing math with your head. She said one of the most important things with the littles and the bigs is to play, quote unquote, I have you need. And to start with partners of 10, right? Because kindergarten, they're supposed to know all the different combinations of 10. I have eight, you need how many so we can make 10. That's also a math recovery strategy. And so then she said partners of 100 start with decades of 10 and then move to five and then partners of 1,000. If we can have the kids do that, wow, yeah. we can move. Yeah. I mean, talk about building their number sense. Right. And, and you know, when we talk about partners of 10, I think a lot of times we don't spend enough time in other numbers. So what I mean is like 13. What's the partner for 13 to make a 10? What's the partner for 26 to make a, another, the next 10? Do you know what I'm saying? Because even sometimes it doesn't transfer over. The kids don't see that connection. Right. A lot of times I see that in fifth grade. Kids are still, they know, okay, well, now I have six. Okay, th- that to make a 10, that's four. But then when you have 26, now all of a sudden they're still, ca- they're counting on their fingers. What happened to what you just told me? Right. So there's, we need to connect those. Which she did eventually talk about problem strings, which that's where that comes into effect. Right. Listeners, if you've never heard Pam talk about problem strings, just Google it. Go to go to mathisfigureoutable.com. And some other things that she talked about was that we should mathematize. Now that was her word, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's a sense of connections and relationships. So today we're going to mathematize, right? Totally want to share this part. She said, when you review at the beginning of the year, you're forcing one of two different thoughts in kids' heads. One, the kids will have a poor work ethic because they already know it. And that's the, the trend that you've set right from day one. Or the kids are going to say, crap, I wasn't good at this last year, so I'm just going to guess. And that's the mindset that they're going to have all year. Yeah. Oh, man. She also talked about... So Go ahead. So not to, So what, what do we do then? Just start. Start. Just start in, in the New Year's stuff. And then you can always work backwards. Back. Right. Right. I mean, that's where in Peter's book building thinking classrooms, you can start with non-curricular tasks, right? That's the beauty of it. Start with those routines and and even those non-curricular tasks. I mean, they're still you're still mathing, right? Yes. You're still doing math. So And you're building yeah, such a strong sense of community. Yes. Yes. She talked about using less or more sophisticated strategies. And she reiterated there's nothing wrong with using your fingers and counting by ones. It's just a less yeah. sophisticated strategy. Right? Right. She talked Mm -hmm. about 
um, problem strings and how skip counting is additive thinking. People, if you have not seen her, the development of mathematical reasoning, I'm going to put one of the bitlies in the show notes. Go to it. It's a free course that you can take as many times as you want. I started it during the school year. I didn't finish it. So I'm going to jump back into it this summer. Okay. Then I go to Graham Fletcher's session on building math residue with lessons that stick. And there's a couple of things that now I've seen Graham, obviously lots of times, but be intentional and purposeful with the math that you're having the kids do. And Karina, this is something I keep forgetting to do. Whenever I ask them to make an estimate, whether it's with Steve Wyborny stuff or the building fact fluency kits, whatever, is use a range, you know, say, okay, if you chose between zero and 10, raise your hand. If you chose between 11 and 20, raise your hand. I, I keep forgetting to do that. I keep writing all of their estimates on there. Oh, and how mm-hmm. much more safe is it to do it in a range? Yeah, it is. Right? Oh my yeah. gosh, yes. And that was the end of that day's sessions. Well, and I to just say, to jump on that, yes. on, that's what I like about his three-act tasks sheets that uh, they he, they have a range. He, you know, he's asking the students for a range. So to collect answers in a range, I like that too. That's, that is, like you said, it's safe. Yes. And then you can just write a quick number. Like, okay, three kids yeah. chose that. 10 kids showed that. And it's it's less intimidating, mm-hmm. right? Because what if you're the kid that says 100 and, you know, the answer is 20, right? right. Or something like that. Okay. I'm going to move to Friday. Friday morning, I had a time to go into the exhibit hall, which was fabulous. I got to connect with people from different publishing companies and everything. And then I had a, there was a problem. There were two sessions I wanted to go to at the same time. Of course. That... <laughs> Stinks. So I actually went half hour to the first session and half hour to the second session. Yes. And I told the presenters from the first session, I'm going to be walking out. It has nothing to do with you. I want to go see this other person. So the first session I went to was Sarah Bush and Karen Karp's The Math Pact, A Team Approach Mm -hmm. to Supporting All Students. Now I have this book and it it basically is a whole school math agreement that everybody is going to use the same language. Everybody is going to do this. Everybody's going to do that. That's going to be a a challenge when I go back to school because at my, my two previous schools, I kind of handed them something and I gave it to them. Whereas this is, okay, let's sit down and talk and all agree. And one thing that they kept saying over and over was, you know, this is basically the rules and you hand this to the substitutes and you hand this to the paraprofessionals and you, so that there is no borrowing or caring. We don't say that right. at this school, you know, things like that. And then I walked out and went to Pam Harris's problem strings, which I have so many pictures I want to share with you, Karina, that were so good. The next session I went to was Thomasina Lot Adams. And so we're sitting in the session, championing students' voice in the mathematics classroom. And again, amazing. I've heard her speak before. She's one of the authors on the Making Sense in Mathematics books that you and I did book clubs at the very beginning yes. when we did book clubs. Mm-hmm. Together, we put yes. up a problem, which is the vending machine problem. People just 
just Google it. And three of us were having a conversation about it. And it was so amazing because one of the participants said to Thomasina, you know, I want space to keep thinking. And I said, in my head, I was like, I have to write that down. Yes. Space to keep thinking, right? Instead of, we we know faster isn't smarter, but what a great way to say that. Give everyone space to keep thinking. The next session I went to was our friend, other Karina. (laughs) Yes. Her session was from small actions to huge impact. She had done a capstone project because she is graduating with her master's July 22nd. She said, we're going to be here her screaming from Massachusetts (laughs) because she's doing it through the Mount Holyoke program. She had to do an action research project. She actually did a lot of the action research at my school with two of my kindergarten teachers. Oh, nice. She created something called Puzzle of the Day, where it was just an image. And the kids came up with all of the thinking, all of the noticings, all of the wonderings, and all the questions, the mathy questions to ask. And then they answered it and had a friend check it or... The friend did it and the, the friend did the question that they, they, the other person asked. Anyway, it was, she did an amazing job as usual. Nice. The next session I went to was Karen Karp, six recommendations for strong interventions in MTSS. And I was like, I have to go to this because how many times have we said we need intervention in math? Yeah. Basically, tier one is gen ed, what everybody learns. Tier two, she said this specifically, it is not going over the same lesson. It is not a double dose. It is not a pile of worksheets. Correct. And then tier three is the intensive individual intervention where you go back to where they are, Mm -hmm. right? She also talked about the, and I'll put this in the show notes, this link, the Institute of Education Sciences from What Works Clearinghouse, this guide that says assisting students struggling with mathematics intervention in the elementary grades and educators practice guide. She was one of the authors on this. And if you haven't looked at that, everyone, I highly, highly recommend that you look at it. She did say that after, after it went to print, whatever number six was developing fluency, she said should have been written instead of not timed activities, because it makes it sound like you should do timed activities where you shouldn't be doing timed activities. Right. You should be developing fluency. She also talked about having an accurate word wall with words, pictures, and numbers on it. And that whole CSA, the semi-concrete, which we, you and I usually say CRA, the representational, Mm -hmm. she likes semi-concrete more because representations are pictorial or, you know, that could be models. I do like that S I think now a little bit more. Yeah. And she said, if I walk into a room and I see cubes up on the wall, I'm going to take it down and rip it apart, like rip it and throw it in the garbage. And she's like, you all should be doing that at your schools. So I kind of rose my hand because I mean, the room was packed and I said, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. And PS Karen is hilarious. She said, well, this is worthy of an interruption. I said, a lot of the teachers that I've spoken to think that keywords and cubes and everything are the the only way to go. What can I tell them to do instead? And she goes, hold that thought. And she goes to the next slide and the next slide. And it was, here's everything. It's making sense of the math. It's not just pulling out those keywords, right? This was something else. She said, don't use money for place value. 
instruction because it's not proportional. So let me say that again. Don't use money to teach place value because it's not proportional. She said, break out those base 10 blocks so that they can build, see it, you know, that those 10 little small cubes is the same as, is the same, it's 10 times as much or 10 times as less. So meaning that it's not like visually proportional like that, like that you can't. She didn't say. How is it not proportional? She didn't say visually proportional, but I, I think that that's what you said about visual. Yes, that you can actually see that it makes sense that 10 of these is the same as one of these. Right. And 10 of right. those is the same as one of those. Okay. Right? Yeah. And to yeah. when you when you take those 10 hundreds, wrap them with rubber bands so that they can see that it's the same as that large right. cube. I went up to her right. afterward and I said, "Okay, I I've wanted to ask you this for a long time. Why don't you want us to call them small cubes, rods, flats, large cubes?" And yeah. so we got into this big discussion because I said when they get to fourth and fifth grade and now we're reversing it, they can't get it out of their head. We both agreed that what we should be saying is today, this is worth however many it is, right? Which is what you and I have been trying to say for a few years now, but we have to spread that out that you don't say this is one today. This is worth one or today. This is one. Right. Right. You know, because you you and I both know when it gets into decimals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I'll tell them, I'll be like, look at your key. Your key is is what's going to tell you what it represents in like in this problem, in this situation. Because on another page, it can be a different key and you have to look at, you know, what, what it means then. So yes, I, I do like that. Okay, Saturday morning. P.S. I did not get a lot of sleep Thursday night and Friday night. I was on such a math high. I think I slept five and a half hours each night, which was not good for me, but... <laughs> It's all good. I went to a session by Jar and Samantha, and it was fluency and automaticity are one and the same, right? And guess what resource they used to talk about this session? Oh, the book? The book, the book we're doing? Yes. I mean, they, they did hand everyone the NCTM article, which was based on the book. But yes, I was like, oh my gosh, this was meant to be for me to be here. <laughs> Yay. And they kept saying, whenever they asked a kid to say an answer or something, what did your mouth say? And I love it because it's not what did your brain say? It's what did your mouth say, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't remember the importance of that, but I wrote it down. So I'm going to remember to say, what did your mouth say? They talked about, of course, games, doing the teacher versus the class. I was like, wait, I've done that so many times. And then cooperative play, where it's two kids versus two kids. And then competitive play, one kid versus one kid. They brought up the book Well Played, which I've brought up before, but I will link that to the show notes as well. And that there's obviously so many resources out there that are What's our favorite word? Fun. And another F word. Free. Free. You got it. Free. Yes. (laughs) Karina did another session. It was kind of a bonus session at the last minute. And it was the same type of thing, but geared more towards admin and and whatnot, which by the way, we've got to get more administrators to come to the, the math conferences. 
We really, really do. And then the last one was the closing keynote was Winston Scott, who is an astronaut. Most of the time it was a Q&A, which was fantastic. My question so cool. to him was, so how much fun and also how terrified were you? <laughs> and he said it was so much fun and that he wasn't terrified. And he's doing spacewalks and all these things. I'm like, how are you not terrified in my head? I'm thinking, wow. right? Okay. <sighs> yeah, that was that was kind of everything. And I know I went really long. I'm sorry to all the listeners, but I'm going to put <laughs> all of the stuff that I possibly can that I learned in the show notes so that you can go and click, 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 learn whatever you want to learn. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all that, Laura. You're welcome. Oh, and I got a book for free. <laughs> That's always good. It is. Yep. Well, what book is it? Another book for my TBR pile. It is Math Workshop, Five Steps to Implementing Guided Math, Learning Stations, Reflection, and More by Jennifer Lemp, forward by one of our favorites, Sherry Parrish. Nice. Well, I, I, now we're going to have to do, you know, you realize we're going to have to do like a learning about math workshop <laughs> yes. in the near future. <laughs> All right, everyone, your challenge for you this week is one of two, either join our book club or click on one of the links that we're going to put in the show notes and do a deep dive into it. Share with us whatever you learn on Twitter. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learning through math. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.